Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshot.net. Live Poetry Reading The Framework Plan for Phased Return of Primary School Education Hello, hello, you're very welcome to this episode of If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis speaking. Well, from taking sides to no longer saying schools are safe to um, politicians telling uh, other politicians that the best thing they could do was to say nothing because every time they said anything it made things worse. We Peace broke out between the Department of Education and the unions when they went back to the table to try and find a plan for reopening schools. They had two weeks uh, of talks and uh, finally uh, we received um, documentation uh, last night after seven o'clock uh, of the plan. I'm uh, in these, uh, if you haven't listened to my live poetry readings, you'll be sorely disappointed if you're looking for poetry, although some people would find Department of Education circulars poetic in some way, uh, though I'm not sure how. Anyway, uh, I am going to try and attempt to do a live reading of these uh, circulars to save you the time. How I generally do them is I read the plans and add my own comments in as I read them. It's completely unscripted, so there's a lot of stuttering, humming and hawing, uh, although some of you might, who listen to this ep- uh, podcast regularly would say that happens anyway. Uh, so let's uh, have a look. There's three parts to the uh, to the documents that were sent, there was a letter and two uh, pages, of, uh, two separate documents of appendices. Um, I'll have a look at, look through them now and. Uh, Well, let's get on with it. Generally, when I'm doing these uh, live poetry readings, as I call them, I I deliberately call them live poetry readings because in poetry you have, um, I suppose, a lot of imagery and uh, a lot of uh, sort of things that are said uh, that mean something else or things that aren't said which is sometimes more important in poetry. And there ends my poetry lesson. But... um, I generally uh, take these circulars as uh, with those general rules of poetry because sometimes what isn't said is more important uh, than what might be said and I'm going to try and delve through those when I do that. So I'm going to start off with the letter and they did promise the letter would be released on Monday. Um, It was released uh, technically on Tuesday but because it was um, released at seven o'clock or a half seven in the evening on the the Tuesday the uh, the 3rd of February um, I don't know if it counts. Um, I'm going to say that's two days late. But um, look, it is here and uh, let's see what it's like. The letter that came basically uh, was was fairly um, insubstantial, nothing, nothing really to worry about. A, a couple of pages that tells you what's going to be in it. Um, and it basically says they're very happy that they are following their intensive engagement. So I'm expecting a lot now if there's intensive engagement and input from primary and special education partners. Now, I have to admit, um, when they talk, uh, when they have input from primary and special education partners, they don't actually mean um Straight up, they don't actually mean the people working in these sectors. They are talking to the unions, um, and that seems to have, that seems to where things went wrong the last time. They didn't actually speak to people on the ground. And just for the record, 
that continued for this. I know they took two weeks uh, to do this. Um, now, I imagine the first week of that was they, they were basically kept apart because no one was very happy with each other. For those of you who don't know what went on uh, before, Norma Foley and Josefa Madigan, I, 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 for whatever reason, um, decided that they would... Um, play this uh, play uh, get, get schools reopened without consulting with anybody uh in the middle of a uh, in the middle of the height of the pandemic where it, i mean it clearly it, it clear, clearly was the most dangerous time to open anything never mind uh, never mind schools and came on and kept going on about um oh but this mantra that schools are safe schools are safe and and the thing was i suppose the union well, certainly the primary union were playing along with it uh, and if we look back there was a famous so I suppose an infamous episode of prime time where the uh, general secretary of the uh, INTO talked about how he was confident that schools would reopen um, and then uh, in order to do that there would be a webinar from uh, the HSC who would who would explain to these teachers who were uh, who weren't going back to work uh, quote unquote um, uh, why uh, schools were safe the webinar happened, um, but before the webinar happened, um, thousands of teachers contacted the INTO, um, basically wondering what the heck they were doing and why they were um, agreeing with the fact that um, it clearly wasn't safe uh, for people to be returning to school when there were, you know, seven, eight thousand uh, cases per day as contact tracing had completely broken down and so on and so forth. And an intervention was held by the CEC because they were receiving all these emails. And when uh, all of a sudden uh, the INTO decided, oh, wait, actually, we're not going to agree with the Department of Education that the schools are safe and sort of did a U-turn. Uh, which I actually put the Department of Education or uh, certainly the ministers in a very awkward position. And rather than, I suppose, being political about it, or maybe they were being political about it, they decided to go on the offence um, and effectively relations broke down um, oh, between so many people. It was a terrible, it actually was a very stressful uh, time uh, to be in education. Uh, anyway, they I, I would assume they took some time away from each other as as uh, is often a good idea and then came back to the table sometime. And I God knows when that was. So anyway, they said they've had intensive engagement with the same people. They didn't bother contacting uh, or speaking to people outside uh, of, of that. So therefore, people on the ground were not consulted. Anyway, it says uh, opening the schools is a high priority for all partners. Indeed, it is a high priority for all schools. Uh, the letter goes on anyway to say there's a framework attached uh, and it's an interim arrangement um, as, a, as everyone works together to ensure that special schools and special classes can open safely. Now, this is a change from before. Uh, before, um, children in mainstream classes, some children in mainstream classes were to come back to school on the 21st of January, but this seems to have been uh, scrapped. So phase one really is that uh, on the 11th of February, that's a week from now roughly, um, special schools will open on a 50% basis to allow uh, for reduced numbers. And then phase two on the 22nd of February, uh, so that's about three weeks from now, special classes will reopen. And in order to support this, they have uh, come up with five, four, uh, four appendices, uh, framework document, uh, appendix one. Appendix two is a health protection surveillance centre guidance on reopening schools. I'll be interested in that. Appendix three is a summary of additions to COVID-19 response plan required. Now that's very interesting. I'll be very interested to see what extra stuff has been um, given to schools because before all that, the only thing that we have been given 
is um vent uh, well actually is is really nothing snas were being able to get were, were being provided with uh, medical grade face masks um so apart and apart from that there was no other um you know no other provisions given so we'll see i know the into released documents um on Monday, basically saying that they'd succeeded on a number of levels, and I, I'm not going to go through it because it, it was it was ridiculous, to be honest with you. There was no, uh, it was basically all of them were like pathways almost or commitments to, rather than actually providing any extra stuff. But we will give them the benefit of the doubt. There's still eight days left before school reopens. Uh, Appendix four, uh, COVID nineteen response plan for the safe and sustainable operation in primary and special schools in a word format for ease of updating. So that. Uh, I'll have a look at that. And then there's going to be circulars uh, on temporary changes to parental leave and unpaid leave. So quite a lot there. And uh, they do end in a fairly conciliatory manner, which is absolutely uh, different to what they were saying a couple of weeks ago. They are very appreciative of the ongoing efforts of the school community working to limit the risk of the spread of COVID-19 in schools. So, I mean, really, that's the letter. And we'll move on to uh, the appendices so we can actually see. It's 10 pages. And as I said, when I'm doing these... um, uh, recordings, uh, these live poetry readings. I try and skip over the guff and try and get uh, the the stuff that's very necessary. So we have an introduction, and it the introduction basically um, isn't isn't particularly interesting. It just repeats what's in the letter, um, and uh, it does say that there is a framework and it goes through public health supports, messaging and risk mitigation measures. So we'll go through those. An interim model for special schools, including flexible provisions for management, staff, and children that's in phase. One and then special classes in mainstream phase two, and then the sequencing and time frame for reopening special schools. So again, I don't think there's uh, 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 anything new in that. So let's talk about the public health supports, messaging, and risk mitigation measures uh, for schools. So in terms of risk mitigation, because this will be the most important thing, because ultimately when we have very high cases in this country, which at the moment are still very very high, we're over a thousand cases uh, per day still, and um, I'm not quite sure whether we are contact tracing. Is fully up and running but let's have a look and see so it says um that the the COVID-19 response plan is um has been developed and uh, it needs to be it's been re-examined by the department of education to ensure that they remain fully in compliance with um all the plans and basically um they have been developed, the work safety protocols being developed by the Department of Business, Enterprise and Innovation and the Department of Health and the HSA have also uh, worked away. And there is a link to that. Um, now, have uh, they also say uh, NFET have had a look and they've, uh, again, looked at some induction training. So the induction training might be worth um, having a look at. Um, and it's basically the same yeah, it actually was last updated on the 28th of August. So it isn't new. So that's actually not true. So the same induction remains as did on the 28th of August 2020 before he we went to school. So absolute nonsense here from the Department of Education to start off with. Um, but anyway, uh, we shall. Uh, it's basically the same induction training that you would have done before coming back to school back in September. The list of required new additions are highlighted in a summary document. So maybe uh, I'm being a bit unfair. They have uh, done that. So I'll have a look at that in a while. I'm sure this list uh, is going to be a list of identical changes. 
So number two, a specific guidance note, so this is Appendix 2, will issue to special schools and special classes in advance of opening, which provides information. So we'll look at that in a while around infection prevention and control measures. And then public health is confirmed in discussions um, with the representatives that um, they're all under review um, because there's an emerging new variant, um, which we're all very worried about because it's, it's extremely... Um, well, it's potent. Is that the right word? I don't know. Um, and because we're not in school, if that comes into a school, I think it's, it, it's it, well, from what I can gather, it spreads much, much more easily uh, among populations. So we really need to be worried about that. Um, however, the HPSC has not advised any change in infection prevention. So I don't know what that's really saying, that basically nothing is changing. The public health position so the uh, Deputy Chief Medical Officer at the Joint Oireachtas Committee on the 22nd of January clarified that a percentage of up to 5% of national total school population returning is an acceptable amount of movement in the population and will not have an adverse impact on community transmission rates. So they're going on with this ridiculous narrative. You know, they, they were going about schools are safe, schools are safe, schools are safe. But then they've they've moved that language to like the total school population, the the, the this kind of... Um, returning uh, well, the movement in population this thing this 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 idea that it's it's actually the movement of the population that's the problem not actually when they're in the building but anyway Ronan Glynn says it's 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 a it's an acceptable level of risk and this five percent total is is again disingenuous um it, it's amazing like every time I look at a statistic these days it used to be there used to be a time where you'd look at statistics and sort of almost accept them and, and I mean you kind of you know that there's there's lies lies and damn statistics kind of saying you know is never rings true these days it's amazing how every statistic that is released now is um has to be questioned because let's look at that five percent figure of the national total population returning to on schools uh, sorry the thing is in a special school that's a hundred percent of their population moving because if special schools are open well, I mean, even if they, okay, sorry, 100% is not fair. If they're doing 50% reopening, that's not 5% of their total school population. It's 50% of their school population every day. And when, when they fully reopen, it'll be 100% of the population every day. So it's not 5%. That's actually a lie. Um, we also have the fact that when you look at special uh, special schools, um, in some cases, that won't be 5% of their total school population in small schools with uh, special classes and there's quite a lot of, uh, of, of very small schools uh, for lots of reasons uh, who have opened full uh, classes for children with autism uh, that could be up to 20% of their school population um, and not 5% it's only in very big schools where that 5% is actually true um, and, um, and, and maybe a little less so I think it's disingenuous to say to use those figures in some cases it will be at least 50% of the school population. And um, I, th I think uh, that's very, very important. Um, it's been further reaffirmed by government that limiting reopening for children with special education is expected to take place in a phase way during February. Okay, that's fine. Uh, we, we, we know that. Uh, weekly reports provided by the HSE on the results of this mass testing. Now, massive problem with this term mass testing because mass testing hasn't been happening in schools despite the fact that they're using it. It's actually a dangerous, dangerous game to be saying that mass testing has been taking place in schools and it wasn't taking place in schools. Uh, mass testing would mean if there was a case in a, in a classroom, everyone would be tested in that classroom and that wasn't happening. And we know that all the way up until Christmas that was not happening. Um, and um, it's, it's, 
I, I, I found it shocking that um, that the Department of Education were using the term mass testing, but not only the Department of Education, stakeholders were also saying that mass testing was happening and it wasn't. Normal testing was happening of close contacts and the definition of close contacts was did not change from August to December. Very, very small change happened maybe at the end of December uh, when if if a uh, child was uh, was to be tested was being sent to be tested uh, before uh, I think the end of December uh, the siblings in that house could go to school uh, but they changed that that all the household members would have to isolate or uh, in terms of schools because of a, a, a massive outbreak in a particular school um, uh, just before the holidays anyway um, I will continue. So weekly reporting provided by HSE on the results of testing, I'm not going to say mass testing, of close contacts in schools consistently show low detection rates. And the reason for the, that was they were actually um, not defining close contacts. Nobody believes this was true. Nobody believes this was true. And it's, it's, it's actually very annoying that that's in the report. Um, and it says basically that in the last report for the Christmas break for week 51, overall 2,852 cases uh, tests were carried out on close contacts um, and only 4% um, uh, were detected. Now, 4% is very high, by the way. If you look at all the statistics of percentages, 4% is very, very high. It's, it's uh, you know, if you look at um, restaurants and uh, pubs and places like that, they're at like 1% or 1.2%. 4% is four time, times higher. It's not like it's a, that's a positive thing that only 4%. If you look at, um, I mean, if you look at households at the time, yes, that was very high. If you look at nursing homes, yes, that was very high. If you look at res uh, residential air, uh, kind of um, settings, they they were slightly they were kind of high, but like hospitals were at like less than you know uh, less than two percent or around two percent. So again, we're double the uh, spread. So these weren't like very low figures, um, which which is interesting. So I mean, I I find this point that they're still insisting that they were doing doing close contacts properly, first of all, and that they're actually doing mass testing at all is, is disingenuous and dangerous. And I, I'm, I'm, it's very annoying to see that they put both of those uh, key points in because nobody believes them. Um, the final point from public health is clear public health messaging will continue, including the circulation broadcasting uh, via social media and short videos focused on the need to protect schools by staying at home. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, that's fine. I, I, I've, I've nothing to say on that. So then we have information for parents. Three points here. They're going to be making short videos. Uh, parents of children will be asked to complete a declaration form. That's the only test. Now, what they're doing is effectively trusting that parents will not send their children to school who are ill. Now, it is really difficult for a parent of a, uh, of a child with additional needs to sometimes know whether their child is sick or not. You know, perhaps the child's is is not uh, you know is nonverbal and can't express how they're feeling. It might just feel a bit, look a bit off, but aren't actually you know showing any symptoms or anything like that. How is a parent going to know? And this is this is where things get very dangerous here. That you know, parents of children with additional needs need routine more than. Uh, I mean, the reason for uh, uh, having children with additional needs back to school is because we. Um, we, you know, children, children with additional needs need the routines of schools more so than anything. And they've been mostly uh, have had the most detrimental effect. But if they are sick, sometimes it's going to be difficult to know that they're sick. And if they're sick with COVID-19, like it has potentially, diff uh, you know, really, really, really um, difficult uh, situations for schools. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't actually know if there's a solution to this, um, but it, 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 it's a difficult one.
And uh, it says parent communication from the school should emphasize there's no congregation outside schools during this interim phase. It's not going to, you know, I mean, fair enough. Look, that's fine. Um, so on to school planning and compliance. So the details of the changes required to update schools uh, in advance to the phase reopening um, is basically highlighted in the summary of additions. I can't wait to get to this. Summary of additions to COVID-19 response plan required by work safety protocol. They take into account updated protocols uh, and blah, blah, blah. I like nothing exciting. There, funding is in place. So hopefully we'll have some funding. Uh, I, I'm sure that will be revealed later on. Any school who needs additional funding. Oh, sorry, sir. They're not actually giving any more funding. So they made, made a cut of 40%. Okay, fair enough. We weren't in for January. So they were, let's say they were lucky um, in inverted commas. Um, but... Um, they're looking for appropriate PPE for SNAs and, and, and other staff. Any school who needs additional funding can get in touch with the department. I wonder what that would sound like um, and how difficult that would be. But we'll find out. I, I mean, I'll be back to school in a couple of weeks time and I'll be finding out how difficult it will be to apply for this extra funding for um, additional PPE as we are going to be needing, I suppose, isn't it surgical grade? Uh, PP if the if if what was said in the highlights is true and um, it's agreed that the L, L, LWR so the lead worker representative should make themselves available so basically if your lead worker representative isn't actually in school they should be available I don't know what that means does that mean remotely on site that's interesting so if you're an LWR because you are working for free on this uh, and you could be teaching a class at the time. How are you going to make yourself available? That's very confusing, very difficult um, to manage. But they've just put it in because they don't have to manage it, do they? Uh, schools are being issued with uh, an information uh, note setting out time-bound temporary flexibilities in staffing arrangements. Um, so I don't know that again. It doesn't actually say what they are. In the case of special schools, an information note and guidance setting out time bound. So again, the same thing. That's weird. Uh, so they're not actually, they're not giving any anything they're going to. This sounds very like um, the reopening of schools back in May, where they said a lot of stuff they were going to do. And then it took them ages to actually get them done. And most of them came in when schools were, were already open. It moves on to vaccinations. Um, let's see what it says here. Um, they have said that they've engaged with the Department of Health uh, on the vaccination schedule and they've confirmed that those essential to education are estimated at th that this time to be in the first one third of the population captured by this. So here we go again with statistics. That's interesting. So they haven't actually said they've been upped in the priority list. They basically said they've confirmed that they're in the first one third of the population, which doesn't actually say they've been bumped up the list at all. So that means they're in the, in the first 33%. Now, if you can imagine anybody who is, um, I think it's there's 1 million people that come to schools, which is about a third of the country, maybe about 20% of the country. So that's 20%. You've got all other adults. Yeah, I don't know if that's making a change. It's really difficult. So statistics, again, the lies, lies and damn statistics. Have we moved up? It hasn't said we've moved up. Um so what it said then is the department further engaged. So they did, they engaged and they, they got that nonsense response, basically. From what I can see, that's that's a, a statistical lie. Uh, the department, they further engaged with the Department of Health, requesting the consideration is given to the school community as it's rolled out to accommodate frontline school staff, those working with SEND students, so uh, at the earliest possible opportunity. So basically, they've just said, no, you're not getting it. We're, we're, we're engaging. So this is, again, what we're going to do. Let's keep going. I, 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 this is actually quite a... a 
uh, verbose document, as in there's a lot, a lot not said. This is good poetry. A lot is not being said. And so the school public health risk assessments, uh, they've confirmed with public health that enhanced or augmented public health teams will be available. Now they've said that they've said that throughout the last few months. Now some people have reported positive um, that the, uh, you know that there has been a better service since September uh, and then since October when it was terrible and then November was you know again that it keeps improving. Um, so I mean I don't know as some people have said it's remained the same full contact tracing and bulk fast track testing within school settings will resume immediately that's good bulk fast transfer we'll see what that sounds like and the numbers to contact teams are still in use and available so um, okay I, we can only believe them uh, detailed data in transmission to COVID-19 will continue to be published now again I, I because nobody believes it anymore uh, we'll probably all be looking to Martina Bro's uh, data instead of this one because that's more accurate in all instances where COVID-19 is positive confirmed in a school age child in community testing as um, as part of close contact testing public health are immediately notified so again nothing new there it's the same thing uh, and it's a very long um, kind of thing a principal may also notify HSE teams directly if they hear that there's a case however that's not necessary hmm. I think it's very necessary because of what's been happening um, they've also talked about antigen or PCR testing and they've, they're have they not recommending it so, they're, so there we go um, on that PPE uh, let's look um, because this is very important. So uh, on the 7th of January, they've recommended surgical grade masks. That is true. The rumours are true for all SNAs, not teachers. So SNAs need to get surgical grade masks. Now, that's very interesting. And, uh, and it's more interesting that the next sentence, the department is confirming this level of PPE should be provided to all special education teachers also. So that hasn't been confirmed. So again, SNAs are getting, despite the fact that they are working in the same rooms with the same children, with the same risk, uh, with the same risks, teachers are not <laughs> getting the same level of PPE as SNAs. Um, it's that's crazy. I mean, what? What? I mean, fair play again, fair play to Forza. You're obviously better negotiators. I just don't understand. Like, what do they think happens in these rooms? Anyway, certain staff working with children who require aerosol generation procedures will be provided. Um, with PPE in line with that so I, I again there's a link for that and the department confirms that funding for all required PPE is being provided it isn't 40% was cut we'll see if they need um, extra uh, there's an email address masks and visors should be donned and doffed and disposed of as demonstrated in the videos that were made ages ago donned and doffed that's lovely <laughs> it's very uh, that's very poetic. Um, anyway, temporary time-bound staffing arrangements. Okay, so they talked about this before. I didn't understand it. In recognition of the reduced attendance of pupils uh, in in-school provision at any one time during the first and second interim phase of reopening, the DE uh, um, has set out temporary flexibilities that may be utilised by schools to provide a provision of remote learning to school to pupils at home by staff working remotely from home. They haven't. They actually haven't provided anything. Um, in terms of that that's that's not true that is absolutely not true so um they're gonna have to my goodness sorry i i have to pause here um this it says this in no way constitutes a precedent for high risk or other staff being facilitated for remote working so we're going to say um but like if all the staff are in school and you don't come to school there's no schooling given to you like who's going to teach your kid if you're not coming to school and um, so I mean I think that's uh, that's 
I think I need to take a bit of a pause there to, to on, on this one because that's very very scary okay I have my pause um I, 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 I'm feeling a bit better now, uh, but I needed to take a pause there because that's that's ridiculous. I mean, you, you can't just say remote learning will continue for, for children who don't come to school when the school is open because, you know, the teacher cannot divide themselves into two. They will be teaching all day. And if you don't come to school when it's open, you can't expect that teacher to be able to be doing both things. So I, I think that's really really disingenuous and and ah very very annoying um anyway back to back to the next thing childcare. The, to be honest with you, the childcare thing issue that the unions got really obsessed with with teachers childcare um over everything else now i think most teachers were 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 um were more more um i suppose upset and more um worried about catching COVID-19 and dying rather than childcare because childcare is open for essential workers and where we keep being told we're frontline or essential or whatever workers I mean and what we're being called and you know ultimately it's not really the union's thing I just don't understand why they took so much of a, a thing on this and, and started creating packages for, for teachers like no other um no other sector you know was getting these things for childcare and it wasn't really the reason it wasn't at all the reason why teachers were worried about going back to school it wasn't the main reason the main reason was because cases were so high that we were you know we were afraid to die like i mean if i need and i will need childcare when 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 we come back to school um that's my problem in a way and and as as much as it would be lovely if someone sorted it out for me i i i have to source childcare like any other frontline worker or any other essential worker but anyway um that aside um they aren't really doing anything particularly they've subsidies that might be available for education sector staff uh which is available on ncs.gov.ie so if you need that you know you you, you should go for it uh and greater flexibility so they've basically given greater flexibility in the use of parental leave which i suppose is is fair enough um, because if you can't come to school well you need parental leave then um Moves on to classroom ventilation. Updated guidance has been given. Ooh. Um, oh, I want to have a look at this. Um, so I'm linking to this document. It has, uh, I'm just opening it here. Ah, interestingly, it hasn't been updated since the end of November when they first issued uh, ventilation practices. So it's still open your windows unless it's cold and uh, then don't open your windows. So there's been absolutely no updated guidance on ventilation in schools. Um, that's that's very, very disappointing. Um, ventilation, particularly coming into, like it's going to be cold. I know it's spring technically in Ireland, but February is still winter everywhere else in the world uh, when it is still cold. And uh, my understanding is it's going to get very cold uh, with the beast from the east emerging next week. Um, so they haven't provided any extra uh, any extra guidance on ventilation so that's a mistruth um other supports so the inspectorate i i don't know if i'm should i should i even bother reading that oh god look i'll read it there's going to be a helpline from the inspectors now the inspectors and with all due respect to inspectors have n- absolutely no idea how to deal with covid-19 um they are as clueless as we are in terms of covid-19 and keeping schools uh, safely open they they have been very very fortunate uh for the last 11 months uh to have been allowed to stay at home making a few phone calls i don't know how all of them 
are, I, did, I mean, the ha, I mean, I, I can understand why they have to do some sort of oversight sort of stuff, but it's it's shocking that most of them weren't sent sent back to schools to for, uh, on a substitute panel, panel as an emergency measure. And I don't know why why it wasn't. I mean, I, I, I'm not one of these people who think, oh, the inspector, that'll show the inspectors, yeah, get them back down to earth. It's nothing to do with that. I don't think they need a land or anything like that. The inspectors are great. They're, they're fantastic. They're experts in education. But their role was no longer needed during this lockdown. I mean, it's we don't need an inspectorate service during lockdown in the same way as we don't need a lot of people on secondment at the moment on their on, on their services and, uh, and I think these people who were put uh, who were on secondment and really had very little to be doing and the inspectorate who in fairness have had very little to be doing how they were not um, asked to redeploy onto a onto substitute panels I think was a, was a crime and I, I and I think the only reason they weren't uh, is, a, is a slightly snobbish uh, kind of thing that it would be beneath them to be back into the classroom answering to a principal. Um, and now I don't think they would have maybe felt that way themselves. Maybe there was a perception they might feel that way. But I think um, this kind of figuring out, like they've basically made up a job for them to do, to answer a phone um, from nine to five. And I don't think they need all the inspectors to do that because I, can, I, can't, I can't imagine um, most schools would be ringing them at all. We have, we have enough to be doing. And I mean... I, I understand that we need some level of support there, but not every inspector needed to be there. I think they could have certainly um, redeployed them uh, much, much uh, better. I mean, the nonsense of putting them in with the contact tracing. I mean, what does an inspector... I mean, never mind, you know, anyone else. An inspector is a qualified teacher. And that's their only real qualification. They're a teacher. Um, so, you know... It, it, it's 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 a question mark, but anyway, they've re, they've again figured out another thing for them to do, which is basically to open one line. So who knows who you're going to get? Like, there's a lot of inspectors. I mean, I don't expect them all to be needed uh, to ask questions. Anyway, I'm ranting, um, and I don't need to. Neps. Uh, it moves on to Neps. They they spent the last eleven months developing a document um, and a couple of videos, which is lovely for all of them. Um, I, I mean, they had a limited service uh, when we were open. Uh, I don't know what to do with them right now. I I guess you can contact them. Um, but I mean, there's, there's it's very limited what they can do. So look, no change there. The NCSE, oh God, the NCSE. I have never in my life, real, uh, uh, I, 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 I wish there was one episode of this where I could say, in fairness to them, they have. But, they basically have a phone line. About three months ago, they said they were going to be making videos. I think they made, I mean, if they made videos, I, I, I haven't seen them. Um, oh, no, I did. I did. They, I think they made the videos. I actually don't know. It was just like, what are they doing? Like, really, what are they doing? It's it's just like this is they are now uh, special classes and special class, special schools and special classes are returning to work. What are they doing? Um. What they're doing, well, actually, I'll read what they're doing. Special school, they're going to be prioritised for engagement with an NCSE advisor on any aspect of support during this period. I just don't know. Anyway, they that's what they've been all doing, I would have thought. I have to stop to move on to section B, um, which is an interim model for special schools, uh, including flexible provision for management staff in phase one and special class in phase two. Now, before I continue, I'm not in a special school, so my knowledge of how special schools work differently from uh, special classes uh, will become apparent here. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, 
it, it lays out anyway. In, in special schools, what they're saying is special schools reopen. All staff, including all teachers and special needs assistants who work in special schools, should return to work other than in circumstances provided for um, or on leave. So everyone has to go to work. So this basically says that anyone who, any child who doesn't come to school is not getting any remote learning because all the staff will be on site. In circumstances where staff members can't return uh, due to illness, substitution will, will, will uh, take place. Nothing new there. Um, whereas all special schools will open from Thursday the 11th of February with all staff attending schools, the department is conscious of the fact that special schools um, have significant numbers of staff and pupils attending the school schools this increases the overall number of people in special schools therefore in order to reduce the number of uh, in school for this time uh attendance will be up to 50 percent. so we know that um that children will be coming on alternate days so what are they going to do on the days they're not in is the question that one needs to be asked they're not going to be getting remote learning school transport apparently is fully operational haven't heard anything from bus Aaron uh, for my school so I don't know if special schools have, uh, have heard anything and they they need to know very quickly parents have been asked to notify uh, schools the day, three days in advance where they prefer not to avail of the service um, and if parents don't want to use the service temporary grants will be available for transport oh this is for the transport um, so they, they'll allow grants uh, schools have been given some flexibility to facilitate remote learning uh, for staff running, uh, remote working for staff members. So if a parent doesn't want their child to attend school, where there are staff members working from, they should continue. Okay, so there's the support. So if staff don't come to school, they will have to give remote learning. So therefore, that's the only way remote learning can happen. But if nobody is in that situation, then remote learning can't happen. And that's very important for parents to know. Uh, staff members working from home also have to support children remotely on alternative days uh, when they're not in school. That makes sense. Um, so their flex, those unflexible arrangements and improved leave can be substituted. Principals are being provided with contact details of principals and supply panels. Um, if an issue arises, a school may only temporarily cease on-site provision uh, with permission from public health, on the advice of public health and with permission from the Department of Education. Hmm. Yes, Claire Morris. Um, school inspectors working with HSE school teams will be available to assist and advise principal teachers. Okay, so, you know, again, that's no change. They should be. Why wouldn't they be? Um, phase two, for so I don't think there's anything different there, really. Uh, for special classes at primary, um, it's pretty much the same, except... Um, Actually, it's exactly the same, except we're starting on the 22nd of February. So I'm not going to read through all those again. It's exactly the same. And then we move on to the sequencing. And that basically tells you the dates that you're starting. 11th of February for special schools and special classes the 22nd of February. That is all the guidance in that appendix. Moving on to Appendix 2, it's the Health Protection Surveillance Centre Guidance and Reopening of Schools. So this is a document. It's, again, 10 pages long. I just want to see how long I've been talking. Uh, 38 minutes. So I've been talking for quite a long time um, and uh, commenting for quite a long time. Um, I'm just, look, I'm going to go through it. Uh, I don't think I'll take as long on it because I think um, it, all we need to know is what's different in these uh, in this response plan to what would be different from previous uh, response plans and um, so they're just a, a bit of uh, fluff at the beginning um we all schools will have to update their their plan so we're being reminded again training manuals school nothing there really of much interest um control measures paying particular attention nothing again so let's uh, so on to page two um Physical distancing may not be practical, so um, 
heightened awareness. So we're asking parents to have heightened awareness of signs, symptoms or changes which could suggest COVID-19. So they're actually asking parents really can you, you know, I know you were being careful before, but you will be more careful. It reminds you of the Simpsons episode when Homer uh, was transferred. Uh, I think he, I think he was transferred to a different company uh, and he had three guys working under him. And uh, basically they were working away and uh, Homer is to increase productivity. And he's, and he basically said, to the, you know, he said, um, could you work harder? And the three guys says, oh, absolutely. And they just started typing faster. Like they didn't actually make any difference whatsoever. So hand hygiene, um, nothing different there. Help them help them with hand hygiene. Equipment, um, it should be cleaned. Nothing different. Actually, nothing different whatsoever. That's exactly the same advice that we had before around equipment. Um, specific, uh, so nothing different again in terms of equipment. And again, nothing. So it goes on to say, I'm just looking here around SNAs and close contact and mitigation measures. Again, no change whatsoever to those. Um, it basically says, again, just have the same thing, really. It, again, uh, be more cautious or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, to say additional care needs. So basically carry on. Uh some work by the HS, uh, by the SNAs is similar performed by healthcare workers um, and it's not possible to maintain distance. So the difference between healthcare workers and SNAs is healthcare workers have been uh, vaccinated, SNAs haven't. Um, and it really, no, nothing new again. So we move on to transmission. Um, it basically talks about, uh, talks about the virus and how it transfers, which hasn't changed really since back. Um Virus on surface is easily removed with common household cleaning products. So again, nothing different there. Uh, the duration of it, um, again, nothing new. Uh, the practical measures for harm reduction, um, and they say there's the following are uh, ways that you can do that. So reducing the risk of introduction of COVID-19 in the educational settings. Basically, school staff should be familiar with the main symptoms. Nothing different there. Pupils and their parents and guardians and family should be informed of the main symptoms. They, they Again, nothing has changed there. School staff as well as pupils, parents and guardians should be aware they shouldn't attend school, nothing different there. School staff as well as pupils uh, and the parents and guardians and families should be aware of the general advice, again nothing new. Limiting the number of ch uh, people um, coming into the into the school, again they're not limiting uh, the numbers coming into special classes. Um, staff should be alert for any signs of illnesses, nothing new there. So again so far we're on to page 5. Uh, the middle of page five and there's absolutely nothing different here whatsoever and um, what to do if the virus actually gets into the educational setting absolutely no differences there uh, reducing the mixing between groups nothing new whatsoever it's exactly the same advice talking about pods you know in a you know nothing new there whatsoever promoting key behaviors absolutely nothing new there so i mean i'm just looking at all these sort of things that, that are absolutely nothing new it's again hand sanitizer um ppe and um, that are used ppe can be used all children with additional care needs are not required uh, if they're under 13 years of age so again nothing new if they're over 13 they they uh, should uh wear it if they can um in this context, the specific use of face covering should become routine for SNA. So again, nothing new. Um, 
a surgical mask. That's the only new thing. So basically now it should be a surgical mask. That needs provided. I that, So that means schools will now have to provide surgical masks rather than medical grade masks to SNAs. Again, nothing for teachers. And then it has this line. I love this line. Donned and doffed. Uh, mask and visor should be donned and doffed and disposed of as demonstrated in the videos. Again, nothing new. Uh, gloves and aprons should not be used. So just uh, uh, that's very interesting. Number eight. Again, no change. Um, anything around bodily fluids or blood. So that means, you know, oral fluids. So spitting, feces, poo and urine. We um, use of gloves and disposable aprons is appropriate. So again, they are appropriate to be used. Um, hand hygiene should be performed. So again, donning and doffing. Uh, before donning, there are gloves. Um, providing uh, care for splashing ability for, uh, it requires a visor um, as well in front of eyes. Uh, so nothing new, nothing new. The only new word in there is surgical grade rather than medical grade. And then it goes on about cleaning, nothing new whatsoever. Isolation, nothing new whatsoever. And reducing the impact of COVID-19 absolutely nothing new there um move uh, so that's everything up to page uh, nine there's nothing new nothing new whatsoever that's astonishing that they're saying it's new guidance the only new thing the only new word is surgical instead of medical when talking about it, ppe uh, on page 10 they have links um which are again uh all none of which have been i'm just looking just in case i'm wrong um almost all of which were not updated since October, bar one, which was the 7th of January, which is the guidance for schools regarding special needs assistance, supporting children and young people with additional care needs in the context. And I remember looking at that and there was nothing really new in it either. So ultimately, the the appendix here is um, it's nothing new. There, I, I suppose I, I have to wonder what have, what's, what have they been doing for two weeks? But anyway, we'll move on to Appendix 3. There's another document here. And it's a summary of addition to COVID-19 response plans required by work safety uh, 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 protocol. It is three pages long um, if you want to take a break and come back. But effectively, there isn't much new, really. Um, there's a procedure for returning to work and the Appendix 6 checklist. That's the same as before. Uh, section 5 infection prevention for control measures to prevent the introduction exactly the same as they were before hand hygiene uh, absolutely not the same before physical distancing now ventilation uh, hasn't changed um, they, they, since uh, before the, the holidays so it's still crack a window open unless it's cold uh, section 8 dealing with suspected case same uh, staff duties absolutely the same as before uh, the employment assistant wellbeing program is still the same. Um, the return to work form is pretty much the same, slightly reworded, uh, they say. But again, no change particularly. Um, again, no change to Appendix 6 for the um, for any of this. Um, the checklist for dealing with suspected cases is the same and the checklist for cleaning is exactly the same. So Appendix 3 has nothing new whatsoever. Uh, they've uh, they've basically uh, reprinted the 53-page document of the response plan uh, for operational thing. There's ve there's nothing new. There's absolutely nothing new. And I'm not going to go through the, um, the 53 pages because it was 53 pages before and everything in it is exactly the same. So ultimately, this reopening of schools uh, for special classes and special schools. I don't know what they were doing for two weeks. I mean, my, my, I suppose my guess is 
that there is they basically stayed away from each other for a week or something I don't know they, they didn't talk to each other they were in a huff and then they decided to talk to each other and they didn't do anything like there's nothing new I mean for all the victories they, they purport to have had the only victory the only actual tangible victory is rather than having medical grade PPE SNAs will have surgical grade PPE I mean that is a lot of a lot of pap- paper for very little the rest of it is is just like um you know making up statistics that sound good but when you delve into them they're not they're no different um i i have to say after reading it i'm not very reassured except i mean the, the uh, let's let's look at some of the things they've given time to schools to get ready but they haven't given anything extra in terms of supports so i would be very worried that this is going to be a continuation of what was happening at the end of December where cases were going going were skyrocketing um and i'd be worried given that they haven't done anything to change that um except having fewer people in the building that were were were, were going to have any um any benefit um for this reopening i mean to me this is the same plan fingers crossed they didn't uh, decide uh, on, uh, they did this by time. They basically said, we're going to do this on the 11th of February and the 22nd of February. They didn't decide, you know, what the case numbers would be. So they haven't got a, a plan in place when case numbers reach a certain thing, when hospital figures are a certain figure, then, you know, we have to go for this. This looks like, and to me, this just looks like um, an add-on to the first plan um which is basically if schools have to close we're going to keep special schools and special classes open with the same mitigation factors so effectively if we go into another lockdown we uh, you know so let's say everyone let's say this all goes to plan which it might uh fingers crossed you know with fingers crossed it could get you can get lucky and let's say in about you know five or six weeks time let's say sometime in march uh, everyone is allowed back to school and then you know inevitably if this virus isn't suppressed, we're going to have loads of outbreaks again and we may go into a f- another lockdown again. I mean, it's hard to tell because, again, it's very hard to tell what's happening. If we go into another complete lockdown again, what will happen is the only thing, the only change from uh, what will happen this time will be that special classes and special schools will remain open. And that seems to be the only change. It's taken them two weeks to do that. Now, if they had have done that back in August, we wouldn't have wasted two months of having schools completely closed to children to our most vulnerable children and i mean i'm not happy with these particular um this particular plan it's not a plan like this is just this is just oops we forgot about kids with special needs um we better stick in a thing to make sure that schools remain open if we ever go into lockdown again um and maybe you know they, they effectively this to me is an admission that they didn't plan properly and um and they should have had this as as part of their plans back in August, like other countries do. I mean, the the nonsense of a few weeks ago where they're saying we're the only country in the in Europe that doesn't have a, a, our special classes open. Number one, uh, when I asked them where the facts of that were, um, they they did well. They didn't reply, but we aren't. 
you know, we aren't the only country in Europe where special classes were closed. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, there's very few countries which have a setup like ours um, in the first place in Europe. But many, many special schools were closed around, around Europe. Germany, for one. I mean, uh, uh, and, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a, I, I just what I can't stand is dishonesty, really. And that's what we're getting all the time. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, OK, we will stop saying schools are safe. But what we'll do is we'll talk about, you know, people traveling to schools is the problem rather than the um, rather than anything else. So, I mean, it's just if there is honesty, all we want is honesty. And, you know, if if you're told, you know, you know, this is honestly what's happening. We're actually not doing anything new, but we feel, you know, we, we've talked to public health and they feel the risk is, is okay. So basically, you know, when it when it's this particular case is in the, commu- in the community, but they didn't. They've just done the same thing and they've effectively, it's almost like they've just had an add-on. So, you know, I don't know. That's that, that, that's kind of my thoughts on it. I really kind of think they that that's that's the plan. Was we forgot to we forgot about our children with additional needs. So now here's the plan. If we ever have to go into lockdown again, I don't know what you think, but that's kind of my conclusion to this document. So there you have it. Uh, there are my thoughts on this uh, document. Uh, I've nearly done an hour uh, of this poetry reading. I didn't think it would be uh, take that long, but there was a lot of paperwork. And the weird thing was it could have been concluded by the only difference between the plan before and the plan now is that SNAs will be getting surgical grade masks. That's the plan. Um, so there we go. I Anyway, look, I don't know. I usually say if you've enjoyed this podcast, but again, uh, as always, uh, my podcasts lately have not been enjoyable uh, to listen to. Uh, but if you've got something from the podcast, you might uh, like to listen to other episodes which are on onshaw.net or on, uh, or your favourite. If you go to your favourite uh, podcasting tool, you can search Onshaw's podcast. Uh, very grateful to everyone who's been listening over the last while. Uh, it was really lovely uh, this week in particular to find my podcast number one in the podcasting charts for education for uh, about a week, um, which was lovely. They update every day. Um, it was also nice to see my highest position in uh, the overall uh, podcasting charts in Ireland, where I was the 52nd most po- uh, most um, popular podcast. So uh, nearly breaking the top 50 um, uh, in, in Ireland. Anyway, those sort of things are just uh, ego things for me, a little boost to my little ego. Um, but uh, listen, I do appreciate it. It keeps me going uh, to, to get these little bits of joy. Um, listen, uh, if you have any uh, questions or any thoughts, uh, I'd love to see them on uh, our social media channels. Just find on Shaw.net, on Facebook and uh, Twitter, where I mainly am. And I'd be delighted to chat to you then as well. You can email me, Simon at Onshaw.net, with any ideas you might have for a podcast. Uh, and thanks to people who've done that over the last week, too. That's it for me. We're coming up to 55 minutes. Wow, my longest podcast in quite some time. Uh, thanks for listening. and Take care. And we'll see you again. Bye bye.